Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with The Local Station. Hello there and welcome to a new venture for Channel 4 News for Jax. And you might be wondering, is The Local Station really doing a podcast on pro wrestling? Well, as a matter of fact, we are. And there are some reasons why we are, you know, typically a news station and going to focus on this entertainment juggernaut of an industry that is professional wrestling. Because if you haven't really been watching the current product in the last five years, maybe you grew up on Hulk Hogan in the 80s or Steve Austin in the 90s, you may not have realized what has happened in the city of Jacksonville in the last five years with respect to professional wrestling. It has essentially become the center of this global industry Jacksonville has. I know some people may disagree with me and think it's Stamford, Connecticut, where WWE is headquartered, but we'll get to why I think it's Jacksonville as the podcast unfolds. This is our first podcast. We plan to do many more. They're going to drop on Wednesdays is the intent right now. So I hope you will join us. Tell your friends. Um, give me a follow at, at WJXTScottJ, which is where I'll put links to all the podcasts. But I want to talk to you about why we're doing this. Um, and I want to put a disclaimer. Right off the bat, this is not a podcast solely about AEW or the cons or anything like that. We're going to touch all wrestling. We're going to touch Dusty Rhodes in the Florida Territory in the 70s. We're going to talk about The Rock. We're going to talk about Austin, Cena, and everyone in between. So uh, we will talk about all those things. But this episode, we need to focus on what has gone on in the River City in the last five years, which has really been incredible. Um, I do want to deviate a little from pro wrestling and talk about football for just a hair. It's not a football podcast, but I do kind of need to set up how we got here. Jacksonville, Florida has historically been kind of a medium market city um, and a small market NFL city. We're known nationally by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's how we are known as a city to the nation. And in 2011, the team was sold to a relative unknown in football circles, a man who had tried to buy a team but was unsuccessful, and then he bought the Jaguars by the name of Shahid Khan. He was a billionaire who had made his money in auto parts in Illinois, and he was the only minority owner um, in the NFL, a Pakistani-born man with a mustache that's larger than life. He came in and brought a lot of pizzazz and, and money to the city. He would park his mega yacht in downtown there, and he just brought a lot of excitement. The team, the Jaguars have struggled. If you want to learn more about that, we have a Jaguars podcast. You can hear all about that and discuss that. We're going to focus on the wrestling end of it. So he buys the Jaguars, and he does all these things. He has his hands in a lot of pots. He buys a professional soccer team over in Great Britain. He even is discussing buying Wembley Stadium in the UK. Wembley Stadium, when I heard that, all I could think about was uh, Davy Boy Smith beating Bret Hart for the IC title back in the early 90s. And I think it was a SummerSlam where that happened. Uh, so that's how I identified Wembley Stadium. So I was excited and was like, what is this going to be? Um, so that goes on. I want to fast forward to 2016. Something happens. Um, we get a lot of news releases, press releases in um, our newsroom here at News for Jacks. We get probably hundreds a month. We get, you know, a local police department has 
made a big arrest. Uh, they want to do a ribbon cutting on a wing at a, at a local hospital. You know, stuff like that, and we get to all of them. But one thing that we almost always cover is the Jags. The Jags are year over year the biggest newsmaker in this city. So when they put out a press release that they have something going on, we almost always cover it if it's uh, uh, honoring veterans at halftime or something with children who have a medical ailment. We'll cover it. But we got a press release in 2016 that I always remembered us getting that I remember a lot of people in our news department were confused by because, as you know, if you're a wrestling fan, a lot of people aren't. In fact, most people aren't. It is a niche audience. So... They don't quite know what to make of it. Wrestling, is that that fake stuff with the guys in tights that, you know, do the fake wrestling and that's as much as they know about it? Well, they knew I was a wrestling fan, have been one since 1982. So they said, Scott, look at this news release. And I started looking at this news release. It said, Legends of Wrestling coming to a Jaguars game. I look at the names on there. I see Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. He's in Florida, I know. He's close friends with Hulk Hogan, so it makes sense he'd be here. Uh, the Nasty Boys. I think Brian Nobbs, one of the Nasty Boys, is kind of in charge of this. He's friends with Hogan. I think he's got Florida roots. Understandable. Uh, Greg Valentine and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. All these guys I'm really excited by. I'm like, guys, I want to cover this. I want to go out to this. But one name on there was one that just made this a news item that I could convince them, hey, guys, we should put this on the news, the Nature Boy Ric Flair was going to be at the Jaguars game. So I asked them, hey guys, can I go cover this as a, new, as a thing for the news? And they say, sure. I was uh, hosting the Sunday morning news program in that year. And I said, after the news is over, I'll go over and interview the wrestlers. They said, sure, Scott, have a ball. So me and a cameraman go over to the stadium. And we get there and the Jaguars media people kind of guide me where they want me to go. And, and they're pretty nice about it. Kind of just let me hang out. And I was looking down at the entrance where the Jaguar statue is, because I was told that might be where they show up. So I am watching, and after a while of waiting, I see a couple Lincoln Town cars pull up. I think they were Lincolns. And that's when I see it, start seeing the wrestlers pop out. I start seeing the Nasty Boys. I recognized them. I see Jim Duggan get out. I see a woman who was Flair's wife at the time, who played uh, Miss Fifi on his old Flair for the gold segment back in the 90s. And then I see Rick get out. I say to my cameraman, I notice that the, the media person kind of left me. So I'm like, go, we run downstairs out to where he's at. Because I didn't know, you know, are we going to get an interview, Rick, and talk to the wrestlers? Is this would be a, a very um, staged media event? I didn't know what to expect. So I wanted my chance to talk to them. I told my cameraman, just roll as we go. Just record all of it. Because this is my chance to talk to Rick Flair. Um, and we do it. And uh, here, real quickly, let's do a flashback and listen or watch if you're seeing us on a YouTube channel. Um, this is our news clip we did with the wrestlers. Well, for a huge lifelong wrestling fan like myself, this is a dream come true. And frankly, when this first started, the crowd was not too huge, but when word started to spread about around Everbank that these legendary wrestlers were here, the Assure Club, where I'm at right now, really started to fill up. I was there to greet them as they arrived. A half dozen were here. Of course, Ric Flair is a household name. He came along with others like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Nasty Boys, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. This Legends of Wrestling organization sends famous, usually older wrestlers who are either retired or close to it to professional sporting events like this Jags game to generate fan interest. And personally, as a fan, my career peaked when at the gates of Everbank, 
The Nature Boy Ric Flair gave me a signature open-handed chop to the chest. And I told him to go full bore. It hurt. And this after he said he had a rough night in Jacksonville last night, which usually involves a party. I'm honored to be here, so thanks for having us. Can I get a woo? Woo! Oh, thank you, sir. Rough night last night in Jacksonville. Woo! The legends of wrestling are in Jacksonville to watch the Jaguars beat up on the Minnesota Vikings. And we got the best of the best. We got my partner. We got the nature boy, Ric Flair. You left Nasty. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You left Nastyville to come here? Yes, we did, brother. You know the first thing Hacksaw Jim Duggan has to do, brother, is give a big ho. Kind of fires me up, you know, gets the blood flowing, gets the air ready. The old Hacksaw's ready for the ball game tonight. I might have to strap on a helmet. And as you can see, a lot of these guys getting older, maybe not as good physically as they once were, but on camera, they still have it. As soon as our cameras were there, they were immediately ready to uh, cut a promo, as they call it, and entertain the fans. Down at Everbank, Scott Johnson, Channel 4, the local station. So that was my chance to talk to the wrestlers. And I don't know if you could tell from the sound bites that they did, I love interviewing wrestlers because I've interviewed so many professional athletes, politicians, celebrities. No one can do an interview like a pro wrestler. They're immediately on. They're immediately in the gimmick, cutting a promo on me. The nasty boys were. Duggan does this thing where um, he, I'm talking to him and he starts doing, ho, USA. And there weren't many people at the stadium because it was hours before game time. And knowing how over Jim Duggan was, immediately I hear guys in the distance, like 50 or so, people going, ho, right there with them. I uh, don't know, just go off the beaten path for a second. Jim Duggan made the news a few months back where he uh, wrestled an intruder to his house to the ground and held him uh, with a, a big handgun, and I can't remember what type of handgun it was. So he made the news, and he went on Tucker Carlson, not to get political, but he goes on Tucker Carlson on Fox News, and... Um, at the end of the segment of the interview, Tucker doesn't quite know how to handle it. Duggan goes, come on, Tucker, let's ho, USA, USA. Carlson didn't know what to make of it. So a funny aside on Jim Duggan there. But anyway, so I go over to Nate, and I, and I interview Nate. He gives me a woo. He does everything. And I, and I ask him, um, Nate, could I get a chop to the chest? Like, this is my once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He says, do you want the real one or, or the fake one? I'm like, you're Ric Flair. I want you to give me the real one. And it hurt. We can put the picture on the screen right now when Flair chopped me. I kept it up as my Twitter profile for years. It was very exciting. Um, but anyway, so this happens. And I'm like, what, what was this? It seemed off for a Jaguars event to have wrestlers in there. I mean, we've seen NFL players go into wrestling. Um, Refrigerator Perry at WrestleMania 2. Lawrence Taylor debuted a, a headline to WrestleMania against Bam Bam Bigelow. Mongo McMichael, you might remember, was in the Four Horsemen. Uh, in basketball, Dennis Rodman came over. He was in the NWO. So we've seen that, but we've seldom seen, you know, wrestlers go into NFL. I want to see if I can find an old John Cena quote um, when he hosted the ESPYs to kind of essentially say, when he hosted the ESPYs years ago, um, I don't remember the exact quote. It was something along the lines of, why would you have a pro wrestler in front of all these real athletes? Wrestling is what it is. People are, um, you know, perceive it the way they do. So it, it was odd for me that pro NFL would have um, wrestlers come to the game. And I thought, how does this happen? 
How, how did that happen? Did, did someone on the team know them? And I know at the time that Ric Flair had really been big and going to different stadiums. I know, I think the 49ers had him in the locker room. Um, I think um, they had Flair do some warm-ups at a Cleveland Cavaliers game, do his whole strutting, styling, profiling thing. So I wrote it off as that. I, and I thought that's all this was. Um, that it was just a, a fluke that cool wrestlers came to our city, Flair was there, but I didn't really know who on the Jaguars end would have reached out to the wrestlers. And at this point, I didn't really know who Tony Khan was, backing up to that whole Shad Khan thing. He's the owner of the Jaguars, and we only really know Shad. We don't really know who Tony Khan is, we don't know his family, and we don't know that Tony Khan's interested in wrestling. So fast forward a few more years, and I start getting people asking me, have you heard about what's going on with Shad Khan's son? And I hadn't. I had been kind of out of a lot of modern day wrestling at that point. And I'm sitting there and I start seeing these headlines that Shad Khan's son, a guy named Tony Khan, may start some sort of wrestling company with um, guys who I hadn't really been paying attention to at the time, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes. I did know who Cody Rhodes was and they were forming a wrestling company called All Elite Wrestling, AEW. So when this happens, my reporter hat goes on and I start getting on the computer and looking up um, uh, the Florida Department of Business and Regulation, uh, Professional Regulation to see if there's been any sort of business license. And lo and behold, we found one. We found All Elite Wrestling licensed TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. And we're like, oh my God, this is a real thing. This is actually happening. So then the news starts to come that Shad Khan had apparently given his son, Tony, a reported $100 million to start a pro wrestling company. I'm like, that sounded like a lot of money. Now, I'm just a fan. I don't know anyone in wrestling. I, I don't have inside scoops. I don't know wrestlers. But I did have a friend out on the West Coast who had some interaction with uh, wrestling. He was friends with Roddy Piper. So I called him and got his opinion, and he told me that he's known people who've tried to start a pro wrestling organization and they dump about $10 million in it. I always remember he told me this, but 10 million is a lot of money, but it's not enough to start a big wrestling brand. He said a hundred million, that's a different story. Then as 2018 goes on, we start hearing more drop. This is more than just some guys on maybe a YouTube channel doing some sort of wrestling show. He signed Chris Jericho. I'm like, Chris freaking Jericho? He signed Jericho? He signed Jim Ross to be his play-by-play -play guy. Jim Ross, essentially, you could argue if it's him or Gorilla Monsoon, the most legendary play-by-play -play announcer for pro wrestling in history. Jim Ross bought a house in Jacksonville Beach, and we're going to get to that in a bit. We're going to talk to Jim. Um, so this is a real thing. And then it was early 2019, I think it was, we get a news that the Jaguars are hosting an all elite wrestling press conference, an announcement of their company outside TIA Bank Field. And I wanna say SmackDown with WWE was in town that day. And I think they strategically planned their opening press conference on that January day in 2019 to kind of stick a finger in WWE's eye that there's a new player in town. Tony Khan was relatively unknown. I mean, he'd been in the football world, he was a fan, 
but now he's coming with huge amounts of money, huge resources from his dad, the infrastructure of a stadium and a, and, um, a, a place where they could put their matches at Daly's Place, which is our amphitheater connected to the stadium. So they had built-in infrastructure and money. Um, that was a big deal, and we'll get to the why in a bit. But so they do this press conference, and I knew my news station because like many people, they're confused on what wrestling is. But I knew how big of a deal this was for our city. So I said, guys, I, I went out of my way. I got our press credentials. I want to go cover this. And they say, sure, Scott, have a ball. They put me in the middle of the newscast that night and said, go enjoy. And you do a live talking about this wrestling thing, whatever it is. And so I get there to TIA Bankfield. And it's bigger than any press conference I've ever seen. I've covered hundreds and hundreds of news conferences for everything from a presidential election to a shuttle launch. And nothing has ever competed with what this wrestling press conference was. They had pyro there. They brought in about 1,000 fans to cheer with the guys. They had guys cutting promos on each other. It was great. Jericho was there. I remember him like trying to tell everyone to be louder so the WWE people across the street at the arena could hear. So we cover this press conference and it's just awesome. It's fun. We interview Tony a little bit afterwards. He kind of talks about starting this all up. And at this point, we're hearing about the TNT deal because we didn't know where this would be broadcast, but the news comes out that, the, that Tony Khan has signed a deal with TNT for prime time. We haven't seen primetime wrestling on TNT, and frankly, I never thought we would again, since Nitro went off the air in 2001, and Vince McMahon bought them. Because Time Warner at the time, all the stories are, didn't really want um, wrestling. Well, it looks like they wanted it back. I remember the guy who they brought in for this press conference was Conrad Thompson. If you listen to wrestling podcasts, you know who Conrad is. He hosts the Bruce Pritchard show. He hosts the Tony Schiavone podcast, Jim Ross, Arn Anderson. He knows all those ones. So they really had some impetus behind him. There was excitement. There was a prime time deal with TNT, um, which is the big deal. You have a major cable network in TNT, one of the biggest cable networks out there, giving you two hours of prime time each week. This was a huge deal, and it was centered in Jacksonville, Florida. As a wrestling fan, I couldn't believe this was happening. So the first few shows, I think were broadcast on YouTube. This was before their contract with TNT started. And I went out to a some of them and covered some of them. They added to Daly's Place. They had a good crowd, five or 6,000 people, um, a lot of new wrestlers, because I've been kind of out of it, who I didn't really know, uh, Luchasaurus, Britt Baker, MJF, um, they're bringing in, and the crowds are really into it. It had been kind of that desire of wrestling fans to have an alternative to WWE. So they bring this in, and they start having shows, and then eventually they start their TNT deal. Um, they were promoting one of their um, pay-per-views they were going to have. I think it was Fight for the Fallen, where the cons were going to be donating a lot of the proceeds to 
um, victims of violence in Jacksonville. I had Jim Ross on the show at the time. He was one of the people they put out there. Jim has since moved to Jacksonville Beach. He lives there. Uh, I don't know if he splits between there and Oklahoma, but JR's kind of a, become a fixture out at the beach, um, which has been cool for the city. But this was my interview with Jim Ross. I think this was back probably late 2019, early 2020, when they were really getting off and going as a company and talking about one of their pay-per-views and one of his books that I had just read. Joined right now by the voice of AEW, Jim Ross. Jim, we are glad you could be with us tonight, or this morning rather. Thank you so much. And tell us a little about Fight for the Fallen and kind of why this is somewhat, not just a wrestling event, but a charity event. Well, uh, Scott, thanks for having me on. We're uh... AEW and the Khan family, very concerned, very involved in the community. Uh, we realize the challenges that everybody faces right now. So uh, I, the Khan family has donated a million bucks uh, to get this thing kickstarted. Uh, and we just want to help people. We want to help people that uh, need food. We want to help people that have been affected in any way by the virus. So that's, what, that's the reason for the charity. A year ago at Fight for the Fall in Scott, we did uh, an event to help uh, contribute to gun violence. There was an inordinate amount of gun violence at that period of time. No virus, but gun violence. So we, we participated in that. I guess it just goes to say, uh, you know, AEW is all about Jacksonville. This is our home. Uh, the Khan family lives here. You know, we, we, I, I, I'm buying a place here. Uh, so it's, it's a special place and we want to help contribute to the betterment of this special place that we're privileged to be a part of. And I want to ask you about that transition to Jacksonville. I mean, AEW is a national wrestling show. You guys are on the road until the pandemic hits. And now it seems like all the shows of our viewers don't know have been shot over at Daly's place. And you know, the performers are in Jacksonville now. It's a very local thing, but it's being broadcast nationally. Um, and you guys have been taking advantage of your, your arena there. I saw fights all over the football field and all over the, <laughs> stadium like nothing we've ever seen before it's just all it's a very jacksonville based tv show now absolutely and of course all the uh, amenities of the stadium and uh, of daily's place are at our disposal if we choose to use them in that regard like you're mentioning uh the the match we had a few weeks ago on the football field it's kind of cool different for sure for me and i've been doing this a long time uh but uh, daily's place has been a great sanctuary open air, we feel like it's a safe environment in that respect. So, uh, and I think it's good for the city of Jacksonville because, you know, we, we're we like the Chamber of Commerce every Wednesday night at eight o'clock local time on TNT. We, we talk about Jacksonville. We talk about, you know, the weather or whatever it may be, but I think it's a good PR tool for Jacksonville as well. At least that's our intention. But uh, Daly's Place has been a great home for us and I, it looks like, based on the virus information, Scott, that uh, we're going to be there for a while. And before we go, Jim, I don't want to forget to mention, uh, I'm reading it right now, Under the Black Hat by Jim Ross. Uh, your, your pretty much details your career for the last 25, 30 years. How, how has the book been going? I mean, the book came out a few months ago. How have things been going with that? Well, it started out uh, hot, and it stayed that way, thank goodness. Uh, it's uh, it was the number one selling sports biography on Amazon, uh, as that, as used to use as an indication. Uh, but you can get the book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and my website, jrsbbq.com. Uh, so it's doing well. 
it's kind of an homage to my late wife, who uh, was killed in March of 17. And uh, it's, somebody said I wrote a love story. I didn't intend to write a love story, but uh, women are enjoying the book as much as men. It's not just about headlocks. It's about life, getting knocked down and getting back up. That's always been my philosophy. With three bouts of Bell's palsy and Southern accent, kind of these fat cheeks, I'm not ideal for television, I'm, I'm told, or have been told, but the Khan family doesn't feel that way. So uh, it's a book about life, surviving it, getting up, getting knocked down, and I think folks are going to enjoy it. So I appreciate you reading it. How are you liking it so far? I'm liking it quite a bit, Jim, liking it quite a bit. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, once again, Fight for the Fallen tonight, starting at 8 o'clock on TNT, right downtown at Daly's Place. Jim, thanks again. Uh, so that was my JR interview, and, and it wasn't just JR. They get Tony Schiavone in there. Um, they start hiring more and more talent away from WWE. Big names. I mean, they got CM Punk eventually. They got um, Paul White, the big show. That's the other interview I want to show you. Uh, they brought in, I mean, he's not big show anymore, but he was big show for about 20 years in WWE. They bring in Paul White, that's one of their big names, to kind of be an on-camera talent. He hasn't really wrestled, but he's been there. Um, he was one of the other guys they gave me a chance to talk to. Uh, this was me sitting down with Paul um, right during the pandemic, which I want to talk to after this interview, because I want to talk about the impact of the pandemic on AEW. Um, but this is me talking to Paul White uh, about one of their upcoming events in Jacksonville and kind of his thoughts on AEW, Tony Khan, and living here in Jacksonville. We're here joined by Paul White. And Paul, tell me a little about your start here with AEW and essentially coming to the Jacksonville-based organization. Uh, it's been a, a pretty overwhelming uh, transition for me. I mean, you know, for so many decades, I worked for WWE and it was... Um, uh, ran out of Stanford, and it was just uh, a big conglomerate machine um, that was uh, very product-driven. And then to make that transition after four decades to AEW and see the facilities that we were able to work in there in Jacksonville and at the stadium, and though it's still a big machine, it's, a, it's much more people-oriented. I don't know if that uh, translates well enough. Even as big as... Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are and Tony Khan and AEW and, and all the multiple things that are happening. It's, it's still much more of a one-on-one -on -one person relationship. It's, I want to ask you about for this. For me, definitely intriguing. This bleed over of NFL and pro wrestling that it's interacting. What is that like? That's like really unprecedented. Uh, it's great because uh, NFL athletes and pro wrestlers, we're, we've all got a little bit of insanity. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a part of you that's got to have like a, I guess, uh, 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 maybe a loose rock upstairs to, to want to punish yourself, uh, in the combat sports in, in pro wrestling and even in football, um, just the amount that you put your body through willingly, uh, for the fans and for the spirit of competition. So there's a, there's a correlation of craziness that you find with, with pro football players and pro wrestlers that, uh, a lot of things are similar in attitudes about life and working hard. So you guys have taken advantage of the setup you were in. Now you're back on the road again, but you were in Jacksonville for many, many months. I saw two huge matches in the football stadium. I saw Urban Meyer give a computer to Chris Jericho to hit someone. This is just, there's definitely, you guys have been taking advantage of what you have available to you. 
Well, I mean, everybody's had to make do the past year with everything that's been going on. But when you have, you know, the kind of, I guess, synergy and leadership that we have with Tony Khan, who uh, everybody feels like they're part of a family here. And that's not just a slogan. It really does. I mean, like, uh, I'm one of the only Miami Dolphin fans, I think, in the world. So for me to for me to come up to Jacksonville and then to really become a Jacksonville Jaguar fan just from meeting the coaches and meeting Tony and the staff and seeing how the town supports Jacksonville. And then you see everybody also excited about our product because pro wrestling for so many years was always like the cousin that nobody talked about. Yeah, You know, everybody knew who they were. Everybody watched it. And then at the water cooler, oh, you're a wrestling fan too. You're a wrestling fan too. Now the sport has, has changed to where it's uh it's okay to be a wrestling fan. It's okay to uh, for people to understand that athletes from all walks of life, there are wrestlers that are fans of football and there are football players that are fans of wrestling. So it's great when you have the facilities uh, to let those two worlds mix. It's great. And what's I, mean, the I don't end? think you're going to see me in pads, you know, playing offensive tackle for the Jaguars, but I mean, you know, we'll see. <laughs> You've got the size still. I've um, got the size. I don't think yeah. I've got the footwork that those guys have, though. Those guys well, are pretty tremendous. Athletes. Tell me about the interaction, like the stuff that we don't see behind the scenes at the stadium. Do you guys interact with each other very much with the, the football side and the and the wrestling side? In, in passing, I mean, of course, you know, everybody backstage is still following a lot of really strict guidelines for everything. Um, but once we get back to our secured area uh, where everybody's been tested and cleared, yeah, there's a general support. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that, that makes me excited about being AEW is just the the overwhelming team feeling of uh, everybody in the Jaguars rooting for AEW, AEW rooting for the Jaguars. We're all under one umbrella. We're under the Khan family, but it's it's we're not separated. We have a feeling of like one big family that's all fighting for recognition and fighting for championships. And what are the cons like? You came from, I guess, the Turners. To the McMahons and now to the Cons. Turners, yes, you brought that one way back. The Turners, yeah. yes. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's different. They're very people oriented. Um, you know, and I had a lot of great relationships with Vince over the years, and and we worked very hard together on a lot of things. But uh, I never knew for never misconstrued the point for one second that dealing with Vince McMahon, I was dealing with a businessman. There was never never uh, a line that was blurred. In that fact, sure was he. Was he tough to work for? Was he fair? Did he have his demands? Absolutely. But I never misconstrued the point that Vince was my boss. Uh, Tony pulls the same thing off, Tony Khan, where he's your boss. But for some reason, he really transmits that aura that he cares about you as a person, as an athlete, as an individual. Like, if he asked you how your day is going, you honestly, for me, it tripped me up a few times. Because he was actually sincere asking me how I was doing because I wasn't used to that. You know, it's one of those kind of things when um, you feel the sincerity that comes through and that energy is infectious to uh, for a much more positive, harder working environment. It's a lot of creative fun that we have here where your opinion and your thought process are, are really valued and they're warranted and they're appreciated. And last question you probably hadn't spent much time in Jacksonville prior to this. What's it been like for all these wrestlers who have traveled all over the world to all of a sudden be in this North Florida city? Uh, Jacksonville is great. It's very, it's got kind of a real, especially after being there for so many months, you know, week after week during our tapings, it's got kind of a romantic eclectic feel to it because we built this loyal fan base in Jacksonville that shows up every week that 
that supports the product and the town supports the product and in Jacksonville for AEW is like coming home. So um, it's different in the fact that things aren't in a big rush in Jacksonville. People aren't in a big hurry. You know, there's not that you don't feel that that hustle and bustle like you do in like a New York or in LA or somewhere like that. Um, but for us in AEW, it really works because it's it's still part of this natural synergy that works for AEW and, and building recognition and building the brand and 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 creating that momentum to keep moving forward. And Jacksonville is a great place for that. You know, I'm really excited to see what the team's going to do this year because, I mean, it's not like they haven't pulled one heck of a first-round draft pick, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the hope. We've got more drama in this team than we have in decades with between the number one pick, Tebow, Urban Meyer. It's just been... Crazy. Yeah, but you know that's that kind of energy is good because you want people talking about it and you want people excited. And I think that's one thing that that Tony's done a great job of is he's brought excitement back to the Jacksonville Jaguars brand. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about trying to uh, get to a few practices this year and seeing some of the guys interacting, going to a few games myself. So I think I know somebody that can get me a ticket and get me in. So I think I'm okay now. <laughs> I think you're good. Hey, can my son walk over and say hi to you real quick? He's a big sure, fan. Absolutely. I got him on the Netflix show more than the wrestling. Oh, there you go. I'm yeah, say hi. Hello. Hey, man, how are you? I'm excited to see you. I actually never thought I'd see you in person. So, or, or, well, well, there you go. I'll see you in person someday soon, I'm Funny sure. I'm sure Dad will be I got him to a few of the matches down there. Thanks, there Paul, very well, next much. Time, make sure you say hi. You bet. He's Thanks. awesome, man. Thank He's got you. a lot better hair than we do. I, I yeah, I know, I know. He's <laughs> probably coming in a few years. But thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you for the time. Have a great day. And so I shot that interview during the middle of the pandemic when everything shut down. And I do want to do an episode about the role pro wrestling had in Florida's response to the pandemic. And we will do a, lang a long, deep dive into that. But this was really unprecedented around the country because when everything in the country was shut down from a sports perspective, they had the NFL in their bubble, the NBA, I think was pretty much shut down. A, uh, WWE, you might remember, did that um, WrestleMania in front of all those monitors with like a massive Zoom call with hundreds of fans, which was kind of an odd scene. That was down in Orlando. Um, AEW is doing live studio audiences at Daly's Place, which was critical for the cons because if they had been anywhere else in the country, they may not have been able to do a weekly show, but they were locked in here for a year to a year and a half. Every Wednesday night on TNT, you heard Jim Ross, welcome to Jacksonville, Florida. They start incorporating the Jaguars into all their matches or into a lot of their matches. They do, uh, I think, a 10-man tag team out on the stadium field. They have guys doing moonsaults off the goalpost. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend looking it up. I have never in 40 years of watching wrestling seen the type of matches I saw them do at TIA Bank Field. Um, then they start bringing in celebrities. Snoop Dogg is here in a match. Shaq is here in a match, going through a table, getting national coverage. And we had it on the news, and I know people were kind of confused about, well, why is Shaq going through a table in a wrestling match down at the stadium? So many people didn't even know AEW was a thing in Jacksonville. And when I said at the beginning of the podcast that it has really become the center of the wrestling world, I mean that because 
you have the focus of the industry came to this new upstart AEW based in Jacksonville. WWE spread out there in Stamford, Connecticut with their headquarters. They travel a lot. Um, they have the Orlando, the uh, development center down in Orlando. But, but AEW with a national audience, not getting the ratings that WWE is, but they're growing, focused on Jacksonville, Florida and what has happened in this city. It's been exciting to watch it unfold as a wrestling fan. And uh, frankly, my experience has been a lot of people don't even know it's happening. Wrestling fans know it's here. People who are pseudo wrestling fans know that the cons do some sort of wrestling show, but they may not understand the magnitude. They may not understand the pageantry and the trucks that are speeding through the parking lot for their live tapings and the pay-per-views that they do. And now AEW's back out on the road. They are, you know, going, they're in Chicago, they're in San Francisco. I think they're in San Francisco soon after the taping of this podcast at one of their pay-per-views. So it has been a very Jacksonville-centered thing. And now I don't want to give away our next episode too much, but there's talk of the cons possibly being interested in buying WWE. We're going to spend the next episode talking about that. So I don't want to go into that too much. But that would obviously dramatically change things if the cons did go forward with that. We'll talk a lot about um, in the next episode if Shad Khan could have the financing to do that. Would Vince sell to them? What would the role of Vince McMahon be? We'll get into all of that in the next episode. But it has been fascinating to watch what has happened in our city over the last five years with what the cons have done. Tony still seems to be optimistic about the future of his company. I want to see if I can find, I've seen that AEW has started to sign cable contracts to take their programming international. Um, bu -bu -bu -bu. Yeah, so uh, TNT Africa, they're starting to go into, um, let, let me look at some of this. So German media has them, um, Sub-Saharan Africa, Eurosport, Poland, Japan, um, they bought, um, I want to say they bought Ring of Honor. So they're, they're growing their domestic product, become a global product, which is essentially what you, um, WWE did for so many years. WWE is so big globally. That's where it was one of the reasons why the Saudi Arabian conglomerate is interested in purchasing them. So they, they have moved AEW Dynamite. They've got two shows now. It's not just AEW Dynamite that moved to TBS. AEW Rampage is on TNT. They've got these international cable deals. A lot of focus on it all happening here in Jacksonville. Um, and I've heard some people wonder, you know, in Jacksonville, there's talk about rehabbing our stadium um, for the Jaguars. Some people wonder how much of that is to benefit AEW. Hard to say. We'll have to watch. Right now, they do have a built-in place to perform no matter what at Daly's Place. You've got to wonder if they ever get big enough, if they would want to do some um, pay-per-views at, at TIA Bank Field. Hard to say. We'll be monitoring that. But we do uh, um, want to talk about a little more about what this podcast is, if you've gotten this far in. So we're going to do a weekly podcast on wrestling. Next week, we are going to talk about um, that deal with the WWE sale. What happens with it? Can the cons afford it? What happens to Vince McMahon? All those things. We're going to get into it. Um, follow us. Tell your friends about it. 
Um, if they like wrestling, if you know a guy who likes wrestling, tell them about this. Tell them to give us a listen uh, well, on the podcast or on newsforjacks.com, on our podcast channel, and we'll get some stuff up on YouTube. We hope that we can really um, grow this. We want to. We know that there's incredible stuff going on in the River City, more than maybe any city in the nation with respect to professional wrestling. And they figured, Scott, you like wrestling. You're our news guy. Let's see if you can talk about it in long form. So that's what we're doing. This is our debut episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we will be back. The subject will be, can the cons buy at WWE? Could that happen? Where does that stand right now? We will do a deep dive. We'll hear a little from Tony Khan in that episode as well. So thanks for joining us for our debut episode of Going Ringside with The Local Station. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player, on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.